Morning, morning, morning. How are you all doing? Doing okay? Are you a fan of watching antiques programs? No. No? Well, I'll change this first illustration. <laughs> no. What I would like to say is I do enjoy watching antique programs, okay? And I like Flog It. It's my favourite antique programme. And I think the reason why is because Paul Martin is a really nice guy. He's a great presenter. He's brilliant with the people, the contestants, the people he interviews. He's very interesting. He always seems to be happy and involved and really getting to know people. And I think that's why I like Flog It the most. I like Salvage Hunters, The Repair Shop, the Antiques Road Trip, Bargain Hunt, Antiques uh, Roadshow, and American Pickers. That is the list of how I like them, if they come on, okay? Anyway, now what I do also like about this is when they get a piece of, like, a jewellery or something like that, and they look for the hallmark. And the hallmark is the set of component parts or marks that applies to these precious metals, the gold, the silver, the palladium, and all that kind of stuff, platinum, etc., etc. And you understand a bit about the purity, the grade of the material. And also, it provides something called provenance. When it's been stamped, it gives you an idea of where it was authenticated and the information about that piece. So you get to know a little bit about the provenance, which means the history, its earliest known history, existence, and this kind of stuff. And it provides a guarantee that the item conforms to a legal standard of purity and this kind of stuff. Now, going back um, a little while ago, a few weeks ago, Sarah mentioned in a New Year's speech. Can you remember a New Year's speech? No, it wasn't a New Year's speech. It was a 2023 envisioning talk, okay? And it was really good. And we talked about community and mission and miracles in the life of the church. And this is very important. And Sarah also talked about the hallmarks of Jesus' ministry, how in his life, in his ministry, in the people he, he spoke to and created a relationship with, we understood how he would treat and speak to people and have relationship with his close friends, his family, his disciples, those followers, and for the general public around him. And these were the hallmarks of Jesus, his love, his compassion, and his want to lift people up and to help them where they were at. So this is very important, the hallmarks of Jesus' ministry. And today we want to look at the hallmarks of the early church and how the early church were very significant. We understand when we read in Acts about who they were as people, how they carried on their faith in Jesus and how that transpired and figured out in their day-to-day -day lives. So let's have a little look at the Acts 2, chapter 42 to 47 snippet of the early church. We'll use that as a trampoline to go into this morning's talk. How does that sound? Does that sound good? It's going to go on the screen there, and I shall read it to us today with my best Welsh accent. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, for lots of us, we may have heard that many, many times. 
For some of us, it may be very new to us today, but what is helpful about these few verses, it gives us an understanding of the important parts, ingredients of a thriving, active, faith-filled church. There's so much in there for us to see. Now, on the next slide, I've just summarized those verses into flavors and ingredients and hallmarks of the local church. And I don't need to read them all out to you. Please do have a little scan through there quickly yourselves. But we see in here what was happening in the early church. So for me, as a very simple person, I like to understand simple principles and simple truths. When I read those things, I think, I want my church, the church that I belong to, the people I have a relationship with, I want my church to be like this. That's very easy. It's in Acts We can do this, it's very, very easy. Look at those things. We can all do that, can't we? Yes, we can. Everyone sitting at home, say to the screen, yes, Adam, we can do this. We can be an Acts 2 church in Cornerstone. Yes. Brilliant. Okay, so what we're going to focus on this morning is the part about community. We read there the segment down, devoted to fellowship. So we're going to unpick this this morning It's going to be nice and simple. I'm going to explain a little bit about the why, why community. Why, why do we do community? And then I'm going to do two points, how. Very simple. And the how, the two points will be meeting together is one, okay? And I'm going to talk a little bit about small groups, which is like the community in small. Two simple points. How is that? Is that easy? Can we sit tight for a good, like, 20, 25 minutes and we're going to learn all this great stuff this morning. All right, so let's go. So community, mission, and miracles. The people, the church, in Acts. We're going to draw from that. Okay, so the community. A people with shared and common purpose. We can consider maybe organizations or sports teams or a school community. Community is created wherever we live, wherever we're at. The social groups that we spend time with community in our families. We create community in those things. We could belong to a geographical location where we have a shared government, a shared local government, and that is a community. There are various communities we can belong to, to social groups. And as a church community, Jesus is our community creator. It is Jesus who creates the community. Jesus is the reason why we are here this morning, because he has transformed and changed and done something in our lives. He has brought forgiveness, he's given us this relationship with the Lord, and he has done something new and real in our lives. And because of that, we commit to him and we commit to one another. We create church community. And we see here in Acts how the early church prioritized their commitment to the believing community. But there was this balance as well of being outward looking. So it wasn't just about the church, the church community, but it was about looking out as well. We we call it mission. It is like telling others about Jesus. In our lives, the way we live our lives is an example of how Jesus lives within us. So we have a church community who we are committed to, we belong to, we're called to God to, to be part of. And we take that out into the social networks and the people that we spend time with. And we take that love, compassion, the life-changing message of Jesus into those areas. So we're like creating mini communities, God's spiritual loving communities, wherever we go. So community is a priority. It's a belonging. It's a faith. It is where we get disciple and become part of a discipleship group, becoming more and more like Jesus. So we learn to love, we learn to share, 
we learn to find friendships and all this kind of stuff. And there are many blessings when we become part of the church community. And it's a two-way thing. In life, in friendships, in relationships, any of us who, who are in relationship with some, someone, we know we, we receive and accept and, and take love and friendship into our lives, but also we to give that out as well. So it's not all-consuming. It's not about me and my life and how people can feed me and help me and all the rest of it, but it is a two-way thing. And Jesus really d- d- dealt with that so much when he taught his disciples in their life experiences it was like, you know, this is happening to you, but take it out there, give. Give away what I've given to you, this, this gift of peace and this gift of love. So another great thing, which I am really thankful to God for, is you just get new family members straight away when you belong to a church community. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, uncles and aunties, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents, you get all these into your family straight away. And it is a real joyful thing to, to know and to experience. This is a blessing of God. There are many times in the New Testament where, where we call a, like a church when you're family. So there is benefits in that. Now, all of us, I'm sure, have different experiences of our own natural family. And we're very grateful to God for our natural families. The church family is an additional amazing blessing. And it's something we should never take for granted, but look after and be committed to and enjoy one another. Now, if I was to ask you right now, what are the two most crucial commands from God that he would love us to prioritize in our life and be obedient to? There was two things. I'm going to have a little drink. Not used to talking a lot, see? I'm, a, I'm more of a listener than a talker. <laughs> two things. The two commands, well, obviously, for me, is love God and love your neighbor. That's very simple because it's there. Jesus was asked those questions. What are the greatest commandments to live by? I'll read it here in Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay, so when we want to live a life that honors God and obeys him, we can boil it down to that, really. Well, let's love God with everything, and let's love one another. It's quite it's simple. But then fleshing out, I suppose, can get a little bit more complicated, possibly, but it doesn't need to be. So we take in these words of encouragement here, And it is talking really about relationship and community. It's our relationship with God. It's our relationship with one another, creating community. So loving God and loving people is a key spiritual discipline, a key spiritual discipline. So loving God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, to me, talks about everything. You give everything, we give everything to knowing God, to having our relationship with him. And we trust in God because he is faithful, he's gone all the way for us, he loves us, he's full of grace, he's forgiven, and that is the good thing, is it? Because we know that we're fallen human beings, so we trust in God for that. So when we talk about, like, do I pray enough? Do I read my Bible enough? Do I do these things, these spiritual disciplines? Well, actually, these are all very important, and this is how we get to know God. So when we remember that our key 
spiritual discipline in life is to have relationship with God, to know God, to know Him more and more and more in our lives, and then to give out of that in our relationships with one another, we see that, you know, the, the worshiping and the reading the Bible and the praying, they feed into really the key spiritual discipline of having relationship, good, healthy relationships with one another. So, that is good. So, we take that healthiness into our loving of people. So, when we experience the forgiveness of God in our lives, and sometimes have, we have to grapple with that, we then forgive people because we kind of understand that we're all on the same page here. When Jesus, you know, prayed, you know, Father, forgive them because they know not what they're doing, he went through all that trouble and strife and grief and difficulty and misunderstanding and pain. And yet he was praying because these people don't understand. They don't know who I am. So when we experience forgiveness of God in lives, we know how to forgive people. When we enjoy encouragement from God in our lives, so too we want to encourage others. We acknowledge the commitment of Christ to us for going all the way for us. And we reflect that by committing ourselves to one another. So Jesus' life is pure commitment to saving and redeeming and helping people to reconnect, to know God, to be spiritually made alive. And we are the recipients of that. So then it is our responsibility, commitment to take that truth, to apply it into our lives, and then to help others in that journey as well. So these are the steps that we can take. Philippians 3 reminds us that we're citizens of heaven. We live our daily earthly lives with this attitude of heavenly living. So that is how, you know, that is quite an exciting thing, is it? To think that we belong to heaven, we belong to God, and we shall live eternity with him. So we grab hold of the kingdom of God with everything, and we pull it into our daily lives with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And of course, God's love is, is a gift of grace. It's a gift. It's not through our own striving and it's not through our own works and all the rest of it. But sometimes life can be a battle. And sometimes we do have to take hold of the tug of war rope and pull in the kingdom of God into our daily activity, in our daily thinking in our daily actions, and we trust in God for that. So, the church is a relational church. The church is a call, and it's a priority, just like Acts 2. When we read in verse 42, they, were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This word for fellowship is koinonia. Now, I have no idea if that's pronounced properly, but we'll run with that for now which means to have in common or to share. But when you look at the, the depth of the Greek word in this, it is more than just having something in common. You know, we, we all have Jesus in common and something to share. It is more than that. It is a relationship which is dynamic. If ever we're involved in a relationship that's dynamic, it is activity. It is action. It is positive. It has energy, it is living. So we're living out this real life experience with God in the mix of it. We're in relationship with him. And this relationship is dynamic. And we are called to have a dynamic relationship within the church. Not a stale, stuffy, gone off church, out of touch with our neighborhood, community, and time. But we have this active God in our lives, the Holy Spirit at work, 
bringing grace and love into our lives. And we're called then to recognize this dynamic relationship for ourselves as people, as individuals, but also in our church community as well. So we share in spiritual blessings. We share in the giving out one to another, material blessings, etc., 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 and we have fellowship together. In 1 John 1, 3 to 6 says this, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. So there's this sense of ongoing relationship with God. And it's actually when we speak out the words of faith and trusting God, that then translates into our actions. So our lives aren't stuck in darkness and despair. And, you know, we're struggling. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Well, actually, there is. There is the fellowship with God, which makes the difference, which helps us to see truth and reality and encouragement and perseverance in our lives when we've been hurt and damaged by relationship in the past or our circumstances have been such that, you know, it's probably almost made us, like, blow. There is a hope in God. There is a peace to be found in God. There's this fellowship with Him that changes everything, that changes everything, the the faith that we find in Him, the hope that He brings into our lives, the peace that he gives to us, which goes very, very deep. When we stop and we seek first the kingdom of God and we focus on his love and that eternal call to know him and have that dynamic relationship with him, the other things which are causing pressure in our lives, suddenly they take a sidestep for a moment and we recognize God at work in our lives and in our hearts. And none of us, sometimes we don't want to hear, well, it's, you know, it's character building when you go through a tough time. So we don't want to hear that sometimes. But it is character building. But God is doing something very different. Whenever we've experienced the worst in life, when we've experienced grief and strife or breakup or pain that takes us to the limit, you know, God is the standard God is the foundation. No one else is going to bring us the peace and the joy and the hope that he does, that Jesus went all the way to restore us to know the Father's heart, to know the peace that we can experience, to give us hope that we can endure and persevere, and tomorrow will be a new day, and next year will be a new year. What is God doing in those times? We can trust in that fellowship. So this fellowship, this sense of an ongoing relationship, dynamic, there's communion, you know, it affects our real life. So, therefore, new life in Jesus brings us into relationship with God. It brings us into relationship with other believers. And this new life leads us into a new way of living, being part of a discipling community where we learn to become more like Jesus. The Bible talks about sanctification, that good biblical word. 
meaning we're becoming more and more like Jesus in our lives. Jesus, when he lived his life, he faced all many things. And how he lived his life under those pressures and circumstances is what we can really learn from in those times when we go through similar things. Jesus, you know, did walk the walk, and sometimes we experience those similar things in our lives as well. So we unearth as well in our church coming together the gifts and the abilities which God has invested in us to serve him and to serve his people. This is a very important part of our lives when we want to find purpose and understand God's call upon our lives is to unearth the things that God has put within us. Many of us will find them in the jobs that we do. Many of us will find it in the caring of a family member. Many of us will be doing volunteering work or we're setting up something or involved in a project. God has called us to use those gifts and abilities in wherever we may be. And part of that journey is growing in them, in that, into, you know, what God has called us for. Also, caring for one another, to show love, support, is a great way of, of fleshing out love and compassion within a church community. And, of course, that is very important for us to kind of follow Jesus' example in that. So we find this heavenly connection with God. We know it and understand it for our lives and we also experience it within the church community as well. So that is great. Okay, so moving on slightly then, I just want us to consider for a moment purpose. Do we find purpose in our lives? Are we sitting here today thinking, yeah, I've got a purpose in my life, I understand it, I'm going for it. Some of us may be, well, I'm half and half, yeah, I can understand why I do this and that, and other bits of my life, maybe not so. Well, anyway, there are some very simple, straightforward, building blocks of purpose within our lives. The best way I can describe it is to um, recommend a book, actually, by Rick Warren, who was the author of The Purpose Driven Life. And I just want to say very quickly, the three, uh, the five key purposes that he writes in his book, and he expands them. So the, the purpose driven life, okay? These are the five key purposes that he brings out. First of all, we plan for God's pleasure. So that is great. There's no pressure on anyone. That's the whole purpose of us living, is to know God and know his reality. Fantastic. Secondly, we're formed for God's family. Here's this relationship thing. Again, knowing God, knowing one another. We're created to become like Christ. We're shaped for serving God, and we're made for mission, for reflecting God's kingdom and experiencing and explaining the good news of Jesus out there. Proverbs 16.4 says this, the Lord has made everything for his own purpose. And this reminds us of God's intentions, the intention of relationship and love, the priority of this call to God's community, the church, the people. Now, I want to pinch an illustration for this next little bit. It is one I heard Julian mention a few days ago, and it's one I'd never heard before, which is great. After 30 years of listening to Julian's sermons, it's made a very big impact in my life. It was a great illustration. I'm going to share it with you. Okay? Now then. So this is called the milk illustration, all right? And some of us may have heard it. And some of us may have not. So, Julian, if I get the, some little facts wrong, I apologize. But I'm going to give you the gist. And, and here we go. So Julian, a very busy man, as I know. I've seen it over the years. Sarah, a very busy woman. 
and sometimes things have to be organised between them. Julian was tasked with getting milk from Tesco's on her way home from work one day. And Julian went to Tesco's as he does. He's a very faithful man, a very capable man. And like any bloke, you know, you go into Tesco's, you don't just get the milk, do you? You get everything else you need while you're there. And like a bloke, you don't get a trolley, you get a basket, don't you? You've got to get a basket, it's very important. Who's got a quid on them to get a trolley? No one, only carry cards. Anyway, if you took <laughs> Mickey Flanagan's advice, first of all you do is you bosh two pizza boxes into the basket. Bosh, bosh, creates a bigger surface area, volume. Anyway, you won't go there. Julian didn't do that, he didn't like pizza. Sorry, gone off on a tangent here. Anyway, yes, he's shopping for milk, that's right. So Julian's going down the various aisles, he gets various items, you know, toothpaste, a magazine, you know, men's health, something like that, 442, rugby, something like that. So he's filling his basket up and he's going around and he's getting, you know, yeah, it's very interesting when you see all these things on the shelves, you get them all. So you fill the basket up. He gets his stuff while he was there. It's a very efficient thing to do. One visit, off you go. So Julian goes home um, and says, got the milk? No, I've got the milk. <laughs> so the whole point of going there was to get the milk and came home with everything else other than the milk, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Julian, I, you know, you would never do things like that. I'm very shocked that you would have done something like that. Anyway, the whole point of this key illustration is... Let's not forget the milk in life. We were called, we are called to be part of church community. You know, that is the milk of life, to know God and to be part of church community. So let's not get sidetracked by going out and belonging to everything else other than the church community. Was that an easy illustration? Yeah. It was very hard-hitting, wasn't it? Milk in the shopping basket, so thank you for that. So Acts 2 Church, let's be devoted to our relationships in church community. So that's the why. Now we're going to look at the how very, very quickly, a couple of minutes per point, two points coming up. So point number one, meeting together. In Acts 2, it says this, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. In Hebrews 10, it says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. So we got the flip sides here. So the Acts 2 Church, the hallmarks of the Acts 2 Church, meeting together in public places, meeting together in one another's homes, meeting together, meeting together, being together, spending time together. And then there's this like reminder in Hebrews 10, the writer says, let us not neglect our meeting together. So we get the vibe from the Acts 2 church that meeting regularly was a key part to community cohesion, the purpose of togetherness and the calling of God. Now, I'm not sure how practical meeting together every day would work out in 2023, but we get the drift, yeah? Okay, so we got, we got a bit of a flavor of what's going on in the church there. And the Hebrews 10 verse is always a solid reminder that not meeting together is generally a negative thing. So if we found that we've slipped into a habit of, well, I don't go to any meetings, I don't see anyone from the church, daddy, daddy, da, well, maybe if we um, commit to meeting together, that would be a helpful thing. And this whole thing of neglecting, that the word is used in the New Living Translation here, kind of portrays the seriousness of not meeting with the community and people of God. So we are grown-ups, and we have the ability to meet together with the church. So, to neglect is to not take care of something. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, 
Don't neglect meeting together. It is very important. If you neglect it, it usually means you know, you're missing out on something and something is going to go awry somewhere. We can neglect many things to service our car. Things break down quicker. To maintain our gardens. If we neglect to maintain our gardens, it becomes riddled with weeds, I found out. And our hedges grow so far in that they meet in the middle of the garden. That's happened to me. I've got to sort that out in the spring. If we neglect those things, eventually they get overgrown and a bit dodgy. If we neglect our physical selves, that is also a problem. By eating and drinking an unhealthy diet instead of a balanced diet, sometimes that works out. It kind of manifests itself in our life and our physical condition. No exercise, no rest, no fun, no work. They're all aspects of well-being, and if we neglect those things, then that usually has a negative impact on our life. If, we, you know, if we're not exercising or if we're not resting properly or we're not having any fun, it kind of you know, makes life a bit of a dull place, doesn't it? If we don't go and see the hairdresser or the dentist or the doctor or the optician, what happens? Your hair goes all big and fluffy, doesn't it? I'm just looking at any bald people now. <laughs> Dentists, you, you know, your teeth start to hurt. They're not looked after. You go see the doctor if there's something wrong, isn't it? So we, we kind of, we want to look after ourselves and not neglect ourselves. If we don't wash our clothes, or we don't even wash ourselves, what happens? Yes, we become stinky. <laughs> we become stinky if we don't wash. Anyone here who doesn't wash, please do wash. <laughs> there's a person who works in a particular shop and they always work in this particular aisle. And it's always very smelly, because I don't think they wash their clothes or their selves. Okay, so that is neglecting ourselves. That's just an illustration. So please do wash and wash your clothes. Of course, that is a spiritual side to don't neglect meeting together, isn't it? It's very important to meet together. Why is that? Well, because we're in relationship with one another. And going back to those very simple facts of the commands, we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and do the same to our neighbors, our friends. Let's love one another. We can only do that by being together and being in relationship with one another. So we're reminded not to neglect our meeting together. Community is, part, is our focus for 2023. So there is a point for every meeting in the church calendar. There are zero pointless meetings in the church calendar. Did you know that? Did you know that? This is serious business. I go to many meetings with the team, and we always chat about, you know, the church, the church life, the church diary, things going on, you know, what can we do, what is achievable with the team that we have, and those, who, you know, is there a call for something? So we come up with a plan to make pointful meetings and get-togethers which serve a purpose, which build community, which raise our faith levels, which disciple us, which help us enjoy life, enjoy one another. There's a great purpose to it all, believe it or not. Sunday mornings, we meet together. We worship, wasn't worship great this morning. To meet together, a bunch of people, we know some, we don't, but together we're worshiping God together. Thank you to the team who take great care in doing that for us, serving us. Small groups. Church members here all belong to a small group. Huge point to small groups, and I'll get on to that in a minute. Small groups together. Made to last relationship course, amazing. Alpha, 
youth, Sunday school, men's nights, women's nights, special events, small group leaders, worship and practice, all these things to fulfill the call to be community together. And not just us here, but the life and experience and the love of God which stimulates us and helps us to take that out there as well into our wide world. So, do I make that point clear? Everything that happens in the church is for a reason, for a point, please be there. Simple. Corporate gatherings, discipleship, training, friendship, mission, a broad range of things which we try to encapsulate into the life of the church, the hallmarks of the Acts Church. So a commitment to calling, I want to do that, I want to be there. Sometimes there are seasons of sickness and difficulty and health and caring for family members and being on holidays as a family event on. That is okay. There are, you know, that is okay. If you can't get to something because of these issues, of course. You know, we're, we're real people living in the real world. But when it gets to the part where I'm discouraged, I don't like someone, I'm serving my own agenda elsewhere, I can't be bothered, and sometimes we get those thoughts, don't we? That is when we need to really look at our lives and address things within our lives. If I can't be bothered anymore, if I don't like someone, they get on my nerves. If I'm serving my agenda elsewhere, I can't be bothered. Those are the things, you know, where God's at work and he wants to, like, you know, shape us a little bit into being, well, actually, don't forget, let's be committed to our church community, our brothers, our sisters. Let's love one another. Let's serve one another. Let's remember the, the whole point of life. Okay, so... Let's do that. Jesus, his close friends, his family, his followers, his disciples, all, you know, he, he spoke into all their lives. This is a very helpful tool for you. Has anyone here heard of a calendar or a diary? <laughs> yes. No, then. Are there any diary calendar lovers here? Please put your hands up. This is all participation. Is anyone brave enough to say, I absolutely don't like diaries. I disbelieve in them, calendars, etc. Anyone like that here? Nice, there's one. I've known him for many years. He's a particular type. <laughs> but he does have a very organized wife <laughs> who helps him a great deal in that department. Anyway, yes, calendars and tools, make them your friend and not your enemy. Let's be intentional about what we do with our time. Now, this is a snapshot of my online diary. I really don't know what I'm doing at times. It's on my laptop, it's on my phone, it's on my watch. And these things keep bleeping at me. I think, how did it do that? How does it know I need to be there? How does it know it's going to take me 11 minutes to write on there at the office? So that's that. But there's books as well. You can write things down in as well. You are the master of your own diary and your own calendar. I am also the master of my diary and my own calendar and my time. We can decide as people. There are things like going to work and doing stuff which we have to do, and we work those into our diary and calendar and lifestyles. But there are other pockets of opportunity and a way to which we can, we are the masters, we decide what we want to do and spend our time and be with, okay? So I want to encourage us today, let's be on the ball with our diaries and calendars so that we're booking in those important things. Let's not lose, you know, let's forget that milk illustration. Let's not lose the point of what God's called us to in our lives and let's commit to these things that God is doing. Okay, moving on. So that was the um, meeting together. With us so far, and in closing, small group family. Okay, so I want to explain a little bit about this, because if you haven't become a member here at Cornstone yet, what we do here as a church is we have small groups. Small groups is church community in, in small. <laughs> and um, every member 
is part of a small group. And if you're someone here who's been here, coming along for a few weeks, few months, or whatever, and you think, oh, I think I'd like to make Cornerstone Church my spiritual home where I belong, I'm part of God's community, etc., 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 I would like to come to a membership course. We do those fairly regularly when, you know, people are interested in doing that. And we go through kind of a little bit about what the church is, a, is about. So it provides an opportunity for someone to come along and think, yeah, I would like to make this my spiritual home. Very, you know, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? So there's communications both ways. So every person has become a member of council would have gone through that membership course or you become a new Christian within the church, being discipled and you're part of it. Now, small groups is a very important part of our church life. And um, Sean and I, we've been small group leaders for like 26, 27 years, believe it or not. That's, that's quite a good experience, isn't it? And um, what I found, a game changer is WhatsApp. If you're not part of like 19 WhatsApp groups, you're, you're not living, to be honest. <laughs> right? <laughs> So anyway, it's a very helpful tool for communication and organizing. But small groups is not just about the WhatsApp, okay? It is fun. You can post things about what you had for breakfast yesterday, etc., etc. But, you know, it, it's a good tool. But um, small group community is far more than that. It is the place where we create church family, the building blocks of life, where friendship is developed, where pastoral care takes place. Because, you know, we're a limited people, aren't we? We're limited time. We're limited how many relationships and friendships we can have. But in smallest community, you can expand our friendship. You can expand the belonging and get to know one another, new friends, etc., etc. And this is where mission can be outworked, spoken together. Discipleship takes place where there's support, care, and growth. And like in any relationship or friendship, it takes time to develop friendship. doesn't have relationship. It takes time. But small groups is a great opportunity to do that, where we can know one another and get to know people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And over the, the many years of being a small group leader, I've got to know loads and loads of people. I, I feel as if I've got loads and loads of friends and family members, et cetera, et cetera. This is, is such a great opportunity to be committed to a small group community. And what I would like to say is this. Being committed to a small group community is kind of like working out faith in real life. It's kind of, you know, what God, Jesus, you know, was modeling in his life. And we can also have for ourselves that small community, but with an outward-looking mindset as well. And I would just want to do a quick illustration, if I could, in, in my closing few comments. Now then, this wasn't the Take That Reunion fan base, <laughs> right, this picture. And it wasn't, like, a week before Halloween either. This, now, is... I'm the little one. The guy on the, on the right to you is, is Matt Carswell. There's Dowie and there's Adam as well. Now, Matt is the tallest with the longest arms, so he had to do the selfie, okay? That's why it's like that. And uh, so, so these guys have been part of my small group over the years. But going back a few years ago, I didn't know these boys at all. They were just strangers walking in from the street and have sat down in the meeting. Who are they? What's their history? What's their background? What's their character like? What do they love about life? What scrapes have they got into? What disasters have fallen upon them in life? Who knows? Don't know them. But over time, you get to know one another, and you get to chat, and you form a friendship, and you find out about the family, or they've just had a child, or you know, this is their job, and this is the stresses and the strains that are upon them. But it, what I notice, it does take a little bit of time to get to know one another, and it's important to have an outlooking attitude and build friendship up. 
And I just wanted to mention a little bit about so Matt there, Matt Carswell. <clears throat> so probably seven years ago, I didn't know Matt. He's been part of our small group now for a few years. But the focus of it is like friendship, discipleship, getting to know one another. And over a couple of things which had happened with, with Matt over time, he had a couple of hospital visits, kind of gone in, prayed with him and stuff like that. Him and his wife, Sarah, have had a couple of children in recent years. You know, amazing, brilliant. And they're part of our small group community. And going back to November last year, I was sitting in my house with a really bad cold. It was like mild tonsillitis, I reckon, so it was like really bad. And I was sitting down on my chair, feeling sorry for myself, with... Um, a little screensaver on my, on my um, TV, you know, painting a sad picture on my own. And my phone went, and it was Matt. Now, I noticed Matt sends me from time to time, how's things, how's the family, how's the kids, da 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 I think that's like a nice, caring thing to do. And uh, so again, oh, you did a little lads, how's things? Oh, sorry to hear about that, da 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 And I was like, yeah, how's things? So that was that. And then about an hour later, I had another text from Matt. I've left something by the door for you. I thought, oh, what's this going to be now? An ambulance? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was, um, it was a chocolate croissant, which it was nice with the coffee. It was um, one of these turmeric and ginger shot cans from Lidl's. He said, watch out for that. That's spicy. Drunk it. Blew my socks off. Actually, blew my slippers off, wasn't wearing socks. And it was a Terry's chocolate orange, because they are full of vitamin C, aren't they? Which helps with the cold. <laughs> so Matt had dropped that off to me, and it was such a nice thing to do. And, you know, I'm talking about Matt here, but over the course of church life, I have got so many stories that I could tell of people being kind to one another and going that extra step and, you know, serving... You know, I, I could write books and books and books to, to illustrate this morning. But I just wanted to mention that one. It was quite a, one of the newer ones, and it did tickle me because, you know, it was funny. So, yeah, so in small groups, we kind of develop these kinds of relationships. You know, life isn't always a bed of roses. It can be challenging. But to know you've got brothers and sisters and people who care for you standing side by side is a huge importance uh, to do that. Moving on very quickly... Are you all right for time? I'm, this is literally like the last um, page. So practically in a small group, as we, as we build on building our friendships together, we, we kind of do set things in the year to build up friendship. Would you put the next slide on for me, please, Fee? Now, the reason I wanted to do this one is for us as a small group, we've always done a Christmas party where we create fun. So it's not always like super spiritual, you know, we're reading the Bible together, we're taking communion together, we're discussing the Word on Sunday, we're praying for one another, we're praying for healing, we're prophesying over one another, and all those things do take place. But the, Chris, this, the Christmas get-together in a small group, that is our flagship, we like the word flagship, meeting, because we just have a laugh and we dress up. And that is me as a Grinch and Sean as an elf, all right? So we do that most years for the last few years, and it's good fun. And what I find, when you do things like this, it really does... Be, bring a sense of fun, joy, and friendship within our lives. The Folly Farm thing is our last small group had lots of young families, and we thought, well, why don't we all go to Folly Farm? Because that's a great crack for the kids. And it was. We all brought our packed lunches, you know, white bread sandwiches. It's got to be done, in it? With a bit of jam or something in them. We have a little get-together. Enjoy Folly Farm. Apart from what I don't like about Folly Farm is the lions. 
they've got lions there now, and they're in this middle of this big, massive area, and he just looks so depressed. He's like, what am I doing in Pembrokeshire in Wales? I'm a lion. <laughs> and then over there, there's kids giving milk to lambs. So you've got lions there, lambs there, and they're thinking, I can't go and chase them and eat them. It's like, you know, when you've got a sandwich and you've got cling film on it and you can't get into it. It's like, that's how the lions felt. <laughs> it's like, it's a big fence. <laughs> anyway, the point of this is, <laughs> we don't always do the things that, you know, I want to do. We do things together in which we can all enjoy together. <laughs> <sighs> Excuse me, I've lost a bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <clears throat> oh dear. We were praying this morning, our team, that today would be a day of joy. So we'll take that. Right, so small groups is not just about a stuffy old meeting, but it's life, vibrance, a dynamic relationship. Anyway, with that. Let's um, end the meeting with this quote here from Hebrews 10. It says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So in our relationships and our friendships and church community, let's remember to meet together, to create community together, and to spur one another on in our life's journey. How does that sound? Easy? Great. Let's pray. Yes, so we thank you so much for your encouragement in our lives, for the call to know you, Lord, in our lives in a real way, and that call to love your church community, and for the mission also that you call us on to include and invite and help others come to a knowledge and experience of you in their lives too, just as we have experienced for ourselves. So help us, Lord, in that life journey and in that life call today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great. Great.